Well, this morning, obviously, my subject matter is going to be about fathers. Uh, I'm not going to try to beat up fathers. I don't like to try to reserve Father's Day and Mother's Day for, you know, those uh, uh, blistering messages. Are you an Ahab or a Jezebel or anything of that nature? <clears throat> I, I try not to do that. Uh, but, you know, conviction comes from the Lord. So if you feel convicted, it's not because I'm trying to do this. Uh, it's, it's because, uh, the, the Bible gives us clear examples of how to be a parent, uh, how to be a mother and how to be a father. And in this day and age, we've got a lot of, got a lot of issues with dads. There's a lot of problems. We've all heard the statistics of, uh, what, uh, what, when a father is not in a home, we, we, we know the statistics about uh, frequently incarcerated children, uh, disarray in the household, um, all sorts of problems. Uh, um, you know, just, uh, there's just so many different things, but, but I'm not necessarily here to talk about that today. What I'm talking about is the father's great influence that he has on the family and on the children. And we see that throughout scripture. I mean, you go over to the book of Kings and you find, uh, uh, you know, people, young men and uh, even some older men that uh, became kings. And what did they wind up having to do? They had to make a decision. Are they going to follow after God or are they going to follow after their father? You know, uh, did they do that which was right in the eyes of the Lord or did they do that which was evil in the sight of the Lord as their fathers did? And sometimes we see there was good fathers that had bad children, and then there was bad fathers that had good children. So we know it's an individual choice. And that while there is definitely an influence that is given, there's an influence that occurs with a father in a household, I will tell you this, we have to be very careful as fathers what type of influence we have. Because, I mean, there's all sorts of things that we're supposed to be doing. And we're going to take a look. I mean, there's there, there's multiple characteristics and traits of a father. If you were to take the word father and just kind of do a little acrostic, the F standing for a father is supposed to be faithful and forgiving. A means it's supposed to be a, a, an advisor from the word of God. T would be a teacher of the things of God. H would be a hearer and a doer of the things of God. E would be an encourager and an edifier of the children. And R would also be, as we see with the prodigal son, a restorer and a reconciler. So we just see some simple things like that. And and I thought about preaching a message like that, but I'm like, man, there was three traits that did not fit that acrostic. And, and and they wound up being alliterated. I wasn't trying to do that. But there's three traits that I saw that, that, that weren't necessarily listed there that are so important. And, and in this day and age, I don't even, they're, they're not common. They're not common in this world. And what we see with these traits is we see that these 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 uncommon traits are biblical traits. They're godly, meaning that they originate from God the Father. They demonstrate His traits. 
And as a Christian and as a believer, we are supposed to mirror Jesus Christ. We are supposed to mirror him. Does he not say as, 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 as our father is holy, we are to be holy? Does he not say be perfect? These are all things that we may think are impossible, but if we follow what after, follow after what God tells us to do, they are attainable. But what we find here is we find three specific traits that I want to focus in on this morning. Three specific traits of a godly father. But let's go ahead and pray before we get started here. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you again for this time. I thank you again, Lord, for my father and the instruction and teaching that he gave. Lord, I thank you again for the influence he had in my life. And Lord, I thank you again for my daughters, and I pray, Lord, that I would be an influence in their life, that I would be an example of a godly father. And Lord, I pray that uh, each one of us here, regardless of whether we are a father or whether you are a mother or whether we don't even have children yet, or that's something that's not even on the horizon, I pray, Lord, that we would take these and realize that they're not just traits for men, but they're also traits for women. They're traits that we are, are necessary in our Christian life because they exemplify you and who you are as our Father. And I pray, Lord, that we would just understand that. We would receive it this morning. Thank you again for all those that are here, and I pray, Lord, that this would be a time where we would just be blessed by you and we would bless you by doing your will and hearing your word. And these things I ask and pray in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. The first one that I want to look at that the Bible points out that a father does is found in Psalm chapter 103. Turn to Psalm chapter 103. And one just important trait of a father is a father must have compassion. A father must have compassion. Once you start realizing the, the the gravity of having a child that is now your responsibility, you, you things change in your life. You become un, you should become unselfish. You should be devoted your life to raising that child, as the Bible says, in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. But we should have compassion. In verse 13 of Psalm chapter 103, it says, Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. Now we think of pity as a bad thing. But it's not. I want the pity of the Lord. So I fear him. And pity is, is again, is, is a sense of, of, if you will, uh, com- uh, uh, compassion and suffering with another individual as they go through trials, as they go through life, as they go through difficult times. You look at that person and, and it's, and while we say, oh man, it just, my, the pity for them is just welling up inside me. And people will say, well, I don't want your pity. Well, yeah, you do. Cause you want compassion. People, people want to be, to have compassion exhibited towards them. They don't want somebody that's just obtuse and mean and nasty. They want people that are compassionate. They want people that care. They want people that demonstrate they care. 
that say they care. And he says here, like as a father pities his children. I pity my girls. I pity them. Because they've got a difficult life ahead of them. They're entering into an age that I didn't have to enter into. They're entering into a world that is, that I just look at with still my, sometimes my, my, my tongue hanging out as I'm aghast at the next thing that they try. And they're entering into this world. They're growing up. They're going to build families. I pity. I have compassion towards them. I care for them. A good father demonstrates compassion because it's a Christ-like characteristic. Remember when Jesus Christ saw the crowds and he saw that they were as sheep with no shepherd? What did the Bible say he had on them? Compassion. He cared for them. The Lord pities those that fear them, fear him. Why? Because they realize who he is and they've accepted that and they're trusting that and they believe that and they are following after what God wants in that fearful manner. And he looks at them with compassion and with care. And he says, this is a natural thing for a father to have is to have that. To have that pity, to have that compassion, to have that care. This is a natural thing to occur. Today's day and age, we often don't see that. The father is often portrayed as the cold, heartless one. The one that the child skins the knee and it's like you look at it and go rub some dirt in it. You know? Please don't do that. You'll get clostridium or some weird, you know, disease or something like that. Clean it out. Do it the right way, you know. But, 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 but there, there, there it is the issue. Sometimes the father, you know, in order to seem like a manly man has to be tougher than he has to be. Let's put it this way. You're not tough. You're not. You're weaklings. You're like, wait, hold on a second. No, let's put it this way. I can't do anything through without Christ. I am weak. I need a Savior. I need Jesus Christ. And anybody else in here that says that they can do it on their own, go ahead and try without Jesus Christ. Ah, man. That's foolish. It's foolish. You need Jesus Christ. You can't do it without Him. What does that mean? It means you're weak. Paul was weak. And you know what? He gloried in that. He gloried in that. He gloried in it. Turn over there to, 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 to the book of, uh, Second, uh, Corinthians and you find exactly what, what Paul's talking about there in Second Corinthians. <clears throat> In chapter 12, when he prayed for that uh, thorn in the flesh, that it would depart from him. In verse 9, God said, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. 
Very clearly he says in the, in verse 10, in the last part, for when I am weak, then I am strong. And all of it is done, as he says, for Christ's sake. When we're weak, we get to magnify the power of our Savior. And we like compassion when God has it on us. And we as believers should have compassion on those that are in a lost and dying world. We should have compassion on those that need a Savior. We should have compassion on those that are lost and without hope. We should have compassion on those that need something in their life. And that something is called Jesus Christ. As, as, a, as, a, as a father, we need to have compassion on our children. We need to have a care for their souls. We need to make sure that we're pitying them, looking at them, going, I want to make sure that they're growing up right. And sometimes it's heartache. And sometimes it's just, it's gut-wrenching. But I'll tell you, the greatest thing that you can do as a father is continue to be there for them and pray for them and continue to show them the right way and live that example of Christ. But we as believers, as fathers, we're supposed to have compassion. I want us to turn to another chapter, and I want us to go over to the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 1. A godly father exemplifies God our Father and has that compassion. And in Deuteronomy chapter 1, in verse 29, I want you to see this. Then I said unto you, Dread not, neither be afraid of them. Verse 30 of chapter 1 says, The Lord your God, which goeth before you, he shall fight for you. For according all that he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. Praise the Lord for that. But in verse 31, I want you to see this. And in the wilderness where thou hast seen how that the Lord thy God bare thee as a man doth bear his son and all the way that he went until you came into this place. You know what a father should do? A father should carry. Remember when your kids were small and you could carry them? Remember when they were little and you'd carry them around everywhere? They couldn't move on their own. And even when they had legs, they had little legs. They couldn't keep up with you. You'd pick them up. You'd carry them on your shoulders. Or you'd hold them like this and your arm would get tired and then you'd shift to this arm. And then you start looking at the stroller and things like that. I remember doing that. Amy would uh, be at work and I'd take the girls out and we'd go do something. One of them would be in a stroller and one would be walking or uh, one would be in my arms and the other one in the stroller, however it was. But, you know, we carry our children. We love them. And carrying them and, and bearing them in that manner is something that God does. 
This is what he did with the nation of Israel during the, when they were in the wilderness. He bore them. You realize that this passage, this verse, is where that whole footprints poem kind of originates from? But the Lord carrying? I've seen one of the opposite poems that says, Lord, I see two footprints and then I see one footprint in the trench. What's that? And he said, well, there was periods of time where we walked together. There's periods of time where I carried you. And then there's periods of time where I just drug you. (laughs) I love that one. Because sometimes that feels like me. But, 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 but very clearly, you know, the Lord bears us. Doesn't he say that we're supposed to cast our burdens and our cares upon him? He cares for us. And what do we do as, as, as part of that compassion is we come along and we carry our children and we bear them. And sometimes we bear their burdens. Turn over to Galatians chapter six. This is, this is a law, by the way. This is a law. This is something you don't get to get away from. This is a law that God mandated for believers. He says in verse 1 of Galatians chapter 6, Brethren, if, it, uh, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. You're supposed to bear one another's burdens. You're supposed to come alongside and help them. You're supposed to encourage them and edify them in a spiritual sense. Sometimes it may be physical, but here he's talking about something that's a fault. And he says, those of you that are spiritual. And I I would pray, I would pray that fathers, you are more spiritual than your children. Because if it's backwards, then, then, then you've got to get that reversed really quick. Because you're supposed to be a teacher. You're supposed to bear. Because there are going to be hard days for these children. We live in a day and age where the suicide rate for children from the age of 6 to 10 is skyrocketing. Did you hear the age rage? I don't know about you, but when I was 6 to 10, I wasn't thinking about that. I was thinking about digging another hole in the backyard. That's what I was thinking about. I was thinking about how G.I. Joe was going to attack the enemy. That's what I was thinking about. Or Barbies. I I wasn't thinking about Barbies. (laughs) But I'll tell you this. You know the one thing? The one thing that's important our kids are under attack today the amount of influence the amount of pressure the amount of stuff that is just being piled and piled and piled and piled and piled on top of them is it's just absolutely atrocious today and I get and I, and I can understand why why those type of age range suicide is increasing why it's, the statistics are even worse as they get older. All the way up to where, where nobody wants to talk about it, 
all the way up to we're 40 years old, the suicide rate for men is horrific. Horrific. And, and, and we realize, yeah, we may say we've got a mental health issue in the United States, and we do have a mental health issue. And the reason we have a mental health issue is because we have a heart issue. And the reason that we have a heart issue is because we don't have Christ. But very clearly, one of the things that we wind up seeing with this, and we're seeing this, this desire of, or excuse me, this trait of a, of a, of a godly Christian father is that they come along and they carry and they help the burdens. They don't add to them. They don't, they don't bear down upon them in such a way that it becomes oppressive. They're there to help. They're there to pray. They're there to lead. They're there to guide. It's a commandment that we're supposed to do, but more so as children. Because as he says over there, as a man would naturally do for his son, he would bear his son in such a way. That's what the Lord does for us. As believers here today, that's what we should be doing for our children. Have you ever asked what type of burden is upon the heart of your children? Do you have that conversation with them? What concerns them? Do you allay their fears from the Word of God? Do you show them that they can trust the Savior? Fathers, do you have that conversation with them? The third thing that I want to point out is this. I know this may be a short message, and I know that's weird for me. But I want you to see over in First Thessalonians chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. <clears throat> These are the things that are considered natural. These are things that, that even the world would do. They would have compassion upon their children. They would carry them when needed. But here he points out another area. And he says in verse, uh, in chapter two, in verse 11, he says, as ye know how we exhorted and comfort and charged everyone of you as a father doth his children, that you would walk worthy of God who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. And there's three things there. I mean, there's obviously the comfort we can go back to and start talking about the compassion that's there, but it's the exhortation and the charging. The charging. When's the last time you charged your children? I mean, look, I'll just be blunt. We're often more concerned with the charges on this than charging our children with doing what is right. We are concerned about the charge that happens in, 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 in this life, but with, with, with physical things. But when is the last time that we as believers charged our children and gave them the challenges? 
and said, I want to see you live for God. I want to see you walk worthy of God. What worthiness is, have we talked to our children of that? He's obviously, as he says here, called us to his kingdom and his glory. We're, we're, we're very clearly called unto that. But there's a worthy walk we're supposed to have. And when's the last time we charged our children with that? You know what charging is? It's it's not just a physical charge where, you know, you, you hook them up to a 12-volt battery and try to charge them. No, it's motivating. It's provoking. You know, the Bible talks about how fathers aren't supposed to provoke their children unto wrath or unto uh, anger. But we are supposed to provoke them unto something. Provoking is not always a bad thing. Provoking can be a good thing. If you're provoking somebody unto love, if you're provoking individuals to care, if you're provoking individuals to do that which is right, that's what this charge is. And he says, this is, this is what they did. They went and they said that it's a natural thing for a father to do to his children. What's the father going to do? The father's going to give a charge. He's going to say, I want you to do this. I want you to, I want you to, to, to do these things. And as a, as a, as a believer, we should be as, as Christians, as Christian men, as fathers, we should be charging our children and say, I want you to do that which is right. I want you to make right decisions. I don't want you to lie. I don't want you to cheat. I don't want you to steal. I don't want you to hurt. I don't want you to harm. I just want you to please God. Just please God. Don't pursue dollars. Don't pursue fame. Don't pursue money. Pursue wisdom. Pursue uh, uh, knowledge. Pursue the things of, of God. Pursue Him. Pursue truth. These are the things that we should be charging our children. That they would walk worthy. You realize that our children are going to walk a different road than we walked? They're going to see temptations that maybe you never saw. They're going to undergo things that you may never have had to go through. The question is, is what do we charge them to do? Do we charge them with, go get a job, hippie? Sometimes it may mean that. But I'll tell you this, you know what's more important than that? Make the right choices, son. Make the right choices, my daughter. Choose the things of God. Choose the things of Christ. Choose the heavenly treasures. Because you can pursue money and you can pursue a career and you can pursue whatever it is here on earth. But again, that's only a flash in the pan. And you know what you use that career for? The glory of the Lord. 
That's what your job is about. Wait, I thought I worked for an employer. Yeah, you do. But you're supposed to be doing it under the Lord. You're supposed to be doing it in such a way that God gets the glory out of it. Not you. Not, 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 not so that you're put up as some great worker, but that people know, now that is how a Christian should behave. That's how a Christian should operate. Do we charge our children with the things of God? Do we give them the challenges of being faithful in prayer? Do we give them the challenges of making sure they're reading the Word of God? I'll tell you this. Yeah, it's still their choice. It's still their decision. And it pains us when they make the wrong decisions. And it hurts. And we weep and we cry. But I'll tell you this. The charge is always still... You're my son, you're my daughter. I love you. Just do what's right. You go over there to the book of Luke and you go to prodigal son and you find that that happens. The prodigal comes to himself, comes back home. He, he begins to ask for forgiveness. The father just interrupts him hugs him, loves on him, gives him a you know, kiss, gives him a ring, gives him gives him a cloak, a, a, you know, robe to wear. It's you know, gets ready at this big feast, right? And I'll tell you, you know one of the most important things about that is when you look at the other son and you look at what the other son did. And what did the other son do? The other son became very bitter. And what did the father do? He charged that son. What, he was lost and he found we shouldn't celebrate this? We shouldn't be joyous that he has come home? He charged him with changing the way he thinks. Charging on him about, why are you thinking about yourself right now when you should be thinking about what he needed? There's a lot of things that I, I think about with that prodigal son, and I think about the other son. My question is, is why didn't the other son go out there and try to encourage his brother? And say, I'll come with you so that we can do the things that are right. Why didn't he encourage him that way? When we look at all of these things that we, we, we see that, that a father is supposed to be, I see these three things as of vital importance. To have compassion, to carry the burdens to charge with godly principles. And I see a lot of fathers today 
sometimes get so caught up with the things of the world, get so caught up with just living. Look, it's good to spend time with your children, but you should be spending biblical time with your children. It's great to go take them fishing, take them to the park, take them go-karting. Those are all fine things to do. But it should never be at the expense of sitting down and having a biblical conversation. It should never be at the expense of things that are spiritual in nature. Because all that other stuff, while that may build a good memory, you know what builds a good memory too? Is knowing that your dad prayed for you. You know what? Is knowing that your your dad was caring and concerned about whether or not you were going to grow up in a Christ-like manner. Those things. Sitting down and talking with your children about making the right choices in life. And start young. Start young. Don't, don't, don't wait till they're 16. Don't wait till they're 18. Start now. And if that's the age they're at now, then, then start. Don't, don't just go, well, I guess they're too old. They're never too old. They're never too old. How old do you think Isaac was when he went on that mountain and learned that lesson? Isaac was 40 years old learning to wait for the Lord to give him a wife. 40. 40. Some of you young folk are sitting there going, man, I'm like... 21, 22, 23. Man, I'm burning. I, I got to get married fast here. No, you let it happen on God's time. Because if you rush it, you'll blow it. You'll blow it. Wait for the Lord. And does that mean you sit there and when a, when somebody walks by, you just go, No. Be friendly, be hospitable, just not too friendly. <laughs> but you understand what I'm saying, right? You understand the concept that, that we want our children to grow up, we want to see them grow, but in order to do that, we as fathers have got to come and say, I want to have a godly relationship with my children. I don't want it to be all about the physical. I want it to be about them understanding my compassion and the compassion of God. I want them to understand how God has carried my burdens so that I can help carry theirs. I want God, or I want my children to understand that there are things that we need to be charged to do in this life that the Lord wants us to do and motivates us to do. Just as God motivates us now as adults. These are three probably of the most important characteristics that a father can have. And you know what? Every last one of them is godly. 
know, God gave us a charge. That charge is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. There's no name under heaven by which we can be saved, right? None. We can't save ourselves and nothing else out there can do that. Jesus Christ can. And He said, come to the cross of Calvary. Leave your burdens there. He says, I'll carry them. That burden of sin, He says, I've got that one. Burdens that we carry in this life as a believer, they're light. That's what Jesus says. Because you can't carry that burden of sin. You can't carry it all the way to heaven. You can't get to heaven continuing to carry it. So that burden has to be lifted. And as the song says, burdens are lifted at Calvary. They're left there. They're left there. He deals with it. And there we leave that when we trust Christ as our Savior. We just see the compassion of God. How much He loved us. But God commendeth His love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. There's the compassion. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And He makes a way for that. These are all godly traits that as fathers we're supposed to demonstrate. And I say here today that if you have not trusted Christ as your Savior, today is the day to do that. There is nothing else that's going to help you. And I will tell you this, you may think you're the best father in the world, but if you're not doing it with Christ, you're not complete. You're missing out. You're missing out. Believer here today, what type of influence do you have? Do you have an influence of the spiritual in your children? Or is it only physical? Is it only things of this world? Or is it the care and the compassion of Christ? The bearing of burdens of the Lord? the charge of godly things. Fathers, I pray that we're these things. I pray that these are traits that are demonstrated in our lives. Again, I'm not trying to beat anybody up, but I'm just pointing out these are traits that God expects as natural as natural and makes comparison of those physical things to the things that are spiritual.
Fathers, are we godly this morning? Are we godly leading? Are we godly examples? Let's stand for a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you again for this time, and I thank you again, Lord, for an opportunity to see from your word what your expectations of us are. Our expectations of us as fathers, as believers. I pray, Lord, that we would just take these things and that we would focus upon them. That, Lord, they would just give us the guidance and the direction that we need in our Christian life of exactly what we as believers need to be doing for you. And, Lord, I pray that if there's somebody here today that has not trusted you as their Savior, they have not come to you and said, I need forgiveness of sins. They have not realized that they're in need of a Savior. That they don't know for sure that heaven is their home. Lord, I pray that they would come. During these times of singing and praises to you, pray, Lord, they just come out of their seats. Come and hear how they can have a relationship with the Creator. Have a godly influence from the Word of God. And trust you for the forgiveness of sins and the gift of eternal life. I thank you again for this time, Lord, and these things I ask and pray in your Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen.